1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest
3: hour on the radio. Speed City.
4: All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. We just watched the Formula One Canadian Grand Prix. A. A. Yeah, I like that. That'll work. Max Verstappen wins the race. This is John Massengill sitting in the studio in Austin, Texas with Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser. How are you doing, boys? Doing great. Good. Not a classic, but I'll take it. Yep. And we got Bob Varsha over Zoom. Hopefully, we're going to connect with Bob. Bob, can you hear us over there? Yeah, I can. All right. We got gotcha. you. What would you
2: think? Well, I agree with Jonathan. You know, not a classic. Um, frankly, I expected a bit more passing after that was the advantage of going to Montreal that most of the teams cited. But, you know, having said that, there was a lot of nose to tail racing even before the late safety car. Um, and it was pretty thrilling watching Carlos Sainz try every trick in the book to get by uh, Verstappen toward the end of that race. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was good stuff from start to finish, I think.
4: Jonathan, I think you had the, uh, the hottest take. At the end of that race when you said it's an ominous thing to watch for Verstappen right now.
5: Yeah, I mean, the, the sheer pace of the Red Bull, I think, is what my takeaway is. Because yeah. uh, how many laps did, did he have DRS, Sainz? Um, like almost 10. Yeah, right. and uh, he just could not do anything. Neither of them made a mistake. Uh, Verstappen also proving just how cool under pressure he really is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, very, very impressive. We
4: were talking about during the break had that been leclerc yeah, i just of I threw
5: it out there just because you know, i i just got frustrated frustrated with <laughs> uh, with the fact that Science didn't make a move uh, or wasn't able to make a move and i just wonder if leclerc would have pulled something special out of the, out of the can with those ten laps i, I mean that's an unfair perhaps uh, assumption but uh, you know I just – that rivalry, I think, between Leclerc and and Verstappen, I I think Verstappen would have been more nervous if it had been Leclerc behind him, put it that way.
4: that's a good point. You know, whether or not Leclerc could have had done faster laps is one of the obvious things to talk about. But if you're Verstappen knowing
5: it's Leclerc back there, would you – you know, maybe you made a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I I think the key is neither of them made a mistake really. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, um, you know, there was no chance really for signs. There was that one. Well, there was the one little mistake, the tiny mistake. I think it was a little
4: understeer less that was Carlos Sainz right with yeah. like the last yep. lap.
6: Yeah. The last chance. And yeah. look, when we see the overside and the overhead shot looking down on it, you see he clearly missed the apex, but he was set right. And so I think he was, you know, the entry part of his setup was correct. But then uh, just front end just gave way on him. So uh, definitely a little understeer right there cost him. That probably is what was the nail in the coffin to finish off his last good running charge on Max. You
2: know that he tried at least once to send it in on the brakes and see if he could, you know, unsettle and take him by surprise, but it just just never happened. Right, and
6: you know, it, quite honestly, I mean, Signs had a fantastic race. You look at the strategy he played several different times over the last ten laps, though, you know. None of them really peaked better than any others on that, but he kept after it. He kept slightly different approach you know, the breaking points, setting up, trying to distract Max a little bit off, you know, offline a little bit. And it just, mm-hmm. Max would not be rattled.
4: Just the, the, the net result. All right. It sounds like we got maybe have Chris Medlin back. Chris, can you hear us now, buddy? Nope. No, uh, I think he can't hear us. We can hear him, but he can't hear us. We'll work on that technical difficulty and try again here in a minute.
5: Um, Jonathan, what else? Um, Yeah, you mentioned Haas. Um, I I think the weekend, if you look at overall, Alpine, big step forward. Clearly, Ocon and um, Alonso, um, regardless of conditions, they are moving forward as Alpine plan. Um, They've obviously got... uh, Another good driver on the way, too, in Piastri, who could well be going to Williams. I mean, Alpine, as a team, are looking finally more like, um, you know, fighting fighting from the top of the midfield, boys, which has been a while. And Alonso definitely um, looking as, as sprightly as ever at 41.
6: Man, that, yeah. yeah that, that, to me, was just a really cool story, to see Alonso up front yeah. in that front pack again. Uh, gosh. Let's see that some more. <laughs>
5: What do you Good think, Bob? For, uh, what's that? I was going to say, what do you think about my uh, thing with Hamilton for next week? With a couple of weeks away from British Grand Prix, it's going to turn around his, you know, hopefully his hopes for a better season because there's still time for Mercedes. There were three and four as they have been. They've been up there the last two races now. Yeah,
2: I think he has every reason to go to his home race. Uh, you know, with a lot of optimism, um, and I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see now that this weekend's over what the FIA is going to have to say about the whole porpoising mm. issue. If it becomes a non-issue, uh, then we'll learn even more uh, at Silverstone. The next three races are going to be interesting because you got Britain, Austria, and France all back to back. And uh, I think those will be telling races. A lot of, lot of power circuits in there. And, um, you know, if, if they can get their right height problem sorted out, Mercedes certainly has, has the power. And it uh, it could mix things up even more. Alfa Romeo had a great race; they got both cars in the points, which doesn't happen very often. Um, and and how about uh, George Russell? I mean, he still yeah. has not fallen out of the top five at a race finish, and he really had to scramble to get this one.
4: Yeah, and think about the reliability that Mercedes has had, because that's clearly what you know proves that that Russell's been in the top five every time. Last yeah, week, speaking had- of George Russell, you've timed it brilliantly because I'm huh. with him right now.
7: George, you're continuing the run. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we'll take it. Obviously, P4, P5 is is nice, but I want to be standing on the top of to that podium. So I think as a team, it was a much improved uh, weekend. We were definitely closer on race pace to Red Bull and Ferrari, uh, but our inherent performance is still not good enough. Well, Will it be better in Silverstone as well? Is that going to suit your car a bit more? Because that's a bit more like Barcelona, where you were right in the fight. I think on paper, it does. Every single race we go into at the moment, we're sort of... Um, experiencing a a new issue with the car. So um, I'd like to think so, but as it stands, there's sort of no no guarantees. So um, regardless, we'll be giving it our all and see what we can achieve. Great stuff, George. Thank you very much. Well done today. There we go. We did manage to grab it. Sorry that I was missing you guys earlier. It was... uh... My headphones decided not to work, so I couldn't hear a word you lot was saying, but I'm sure it was all gold. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely, 100%. Well,
4: lost the string
5: from the tin can? I was just yes. Les talking about his podium predictions. Les Kaiser. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
6: you I heard they were the right, thing, though, man. right? You, I mean, you heard I got
2: it 100%. <laughs> something different is wrong with the car every week. Ah, I, I told
7: us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not wrong, but you know, one yeah. week... We're actually going to have on the, on the midweek show. I had a chat with James Allison about the difference between porpoising and bouncing and kind of where each issue comes up. And essentially, when they click, sort of solve one, they hit the other. So Mercedes, are just, this concept clearly isn't a smooth all. one. But uh, yeah, exactly. But it, it does seem a little, a little bit better than it was. Um, if you look at you know that race pace today. Especially that final stint when Lewis was just kind of in there, wasn't he? Just kind of yeah. he didn't drop back enormously quickly when the front two were clearly giving it everything. That was the thing. The Stappan and sights were going at it; they weren't cruising. Um, they had fresh enough tyres to do that, I, and yeah, it didn't it didn't disappear off into the distance. Chris, I'm I'm looking
5: forward to that uh, on wheel to wheel um, to hear that with James Allison because I mean, if if they cure it, I mean it's pretty ominous because both cars are competitive and Russell's clearly on it.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the fact that he's continued that run, I know he actually sounded a bit despondent there because Lewis is ahead of him. So he's not, he's not happy with it. And his expectations are getting higher and higher. But that was much more kind of, well, that was just it's so in keeping with everything he's done this season, just so consistent, getting the most out of his opportunities. You know, he leaves nothing on the table, does he? No. And I think Mercedes must be so confident that if they do get the car in that window that they've got two race winners uh, behind the wheel. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big problem they have to solve, but it, it kind of feels like the only problem.
4: And just looking at the points, you know, there's a big gap between Red Bull and Ferrari. It's almost, uh, it's like 75 points, but the gap down to Mercedes is now down to about 40. So yeah, it's, it's you know, they, and Mercedes is hung in there all season long, in the constructors championship
7: yeah very close um I guess it all kind of closed up a slight bit didn't it today uh the way it kind of panned out mm-hmm. um because without Checo scoring I guess Ferrari took a few points off Red Bull uh and then yeah, yeah. Mercedes probably held station I guess with fourth and fifth uh sorry third and fourth remember the result uh so yeah I imagine it's 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 all kind of just only a slight change from after Baku but um yeah Mercedes in that sense as bad as they look at times. They've done a heck of a job of picking up some solid points all the way through.
5: You know, terrible weekend for Haas, but they only actually lost one point to their rivals in their battle uh, for eighth position to Aston Martin because they had a rotten weekend too. So Aston Martin currently on 16, Ferrari on, uh, So excuse me, Haas on 15.
4: I don't think if you said that in the garage right now, it would have
5: no. any effect, but no, I'm just- I'm trying, I'm trying, I mean, I'm channeling my inner Massengale.
4: Your eternal optimist, yeah. Yeah. uh, What else, though? Chris, what else? We got our takes on this. What else from today, your takes?
7: Well, I mean, when you watch that fight at the front, when it was between Carlos and Max, and you do wonder, don't you, if it had been Charles, whether it would have been a different story Mm -hmm. based on just the difference that's been between the two of them in most races. It's only small differences, but it only needed a small difference once for it to uh, switch around with Mm -hmm. Max under that much pressure. So uh, that was yeah it was it was the one that promised so much and it just didn't quite happen uh and it would have been nice to see an attempt there but uh, i think it was good to see ferrari kind of you know have a reliable run a little bit more on yeah. it um just you know they had a slow pit stop with charles but i don't think it cost him a position in the end uh so based on all of that i think it actually wasn't the worst day for ferrari they they kind of recovered much better than it could have been especially with Checo retiring so um yeah. I kind of feel like we're in a similar position to when we arrived here, really, if that makes sense. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, I made the same point earlier in the show before I came on, Chris. You, you just kept waiting for science to try it, to go in on the brakes, you know? So I can't get you on DRS. I'm going to try to outbreak you, catch you by surprise.
7: But he just never looked remotely willing to try that. No, and if you think, he's, he's had a lot of races where he hasn't scored, hasn't he? And, and he's had a bit yeah. of a tough year. And, you know, to actually just get a solid podium in there, was probably on his mind as well just to make sure he kind of bucks the trend yeah. uh and it must be must be difficult because he's chasing that first win you know it's he's you feel so close for him but just can't quite get it get it over the line and yeah. um yeah he, he, he's got to weigh those two things up because you know if he sends it i mean you think max would have jumped out the way in a sense but only if it was reasonable and i don't think there was actually a point where it was reasonable to lunge i think he's always a bit too far away to try that mm.
2: yeah well 11th podium for uh for science and that's within two of nick Heidfeld's formula one record for podiums without a victory
5: Mm. (laughs) interesting
2: and here's a melancholy note (laughs) at least to me this is uh, max verstappen's 26th victory which moves him out of a tie with nikki lauda and jimmy clark wow wow That's pretty poignant to me, I
5: well, think. I, I, I think the other stat that stands out to me yeah. that I read during or listened to during FP one was that of the hundred and fiftieth of the hundred and fifty starts Max has had, twenty-five have been first places and twenty-five have been second. So two thirds of yeah. his starts have been either first or second. That's that's amazing.
2: Wow. Wow. Amazing. hundred and fifty starts from Max Verstappen is amazing. Yes. Where did he start all those races?
7: The guy's still in fifteen.
2: <laughs> and just think how many he's going to end up with
7: yeah and you think of what the car was like when he first got in it I know he won his first race for Red Bull but obviously he had the spell at Toro Rosso there and then he didn't have a dominant car with Red Bull for a number of years did he he was quite often I mean there's a few years there we're going to pick up a win or two so Mm -hmm. it shows it's the more recent form and how often he capitalizes on his opportunities I think they're the two things that um, are really clear here. And, and today, he never looked like putting a foot wrong, did he? Did anyone really doubt that he... You, know, you never felt like he'd yeah. make a mistake. You felt like it was more likely that maybe Carlos could try something, but you, you, you didn't expect him to be able to pressure him into a, a problem.
5: Um, did you... I mean, can we confirm it was a gearbox for Perez?
7: I haven't got that yet, but I will ask Christian Horner if I see him. I normally try and uh, grab him at some stage. So um, if I see anyone from Red Bull, I will ask that question. I'm actually just loitering. <laughs> Um, behind Omar Zafnauer, who's speaking to local TV. Uh, I'm going to see if he will uh, give us the lowdown on what kind of happened with uh, Fernando Alonso's race. Like you said, loitering. Ocon, didn't it? Sorry. <laughs> mm. Loitering's what I do. To, to, um, uh,
5: another positive for the sport. Great co- uh, great coverage on ABC here in the US, as well as ESPN, but uh, also uh, over 330,000, evidently. And you can, Chris, can confirm the atmosphere, yeah. but a big, big, a big event big crowd.
7: Again. Yeah, it was a really exciting, excited crowd. And a lot of them were very excited to see Fernando Alonso on the front row at start that race. Didn't quite come together the way we thought at the start. Otmar, what kind of happened with Fernando's race today?
8: Well, it did come together at the start. It just didn't come together at the end. Um, <laughs> Fernando had a bit of an issue. We, I think we had a air leak on his engine. So uh, he had to, at the end, stay behind Esteban, who was helping him with the DRS to make sure we weren't overtaken. And the safety car didn't help us, you know, uh, We were well ahead of Leclerc and probably we would have stayed ahead of him, but with a safety car bunched everybody up and then having Leclerc right behind you in a Ferrari is is quite difficult. Their car is just faster.
7: Well, when you look at it, I know we were hyping up the starting positions, but both cars in the top seven solid points. Is it a satisfactory
8: return? Yeah, more than satisfactory. Um, Yeah, 14 points and some of our rivals uh, didn't score nearly as many. So, yeah, really good
7: and where do you see this car as we move forward to someone like silverstone you've, you've had great straight line speed hard to overtake at the last two races but is it a, a good enough all-rounder to be fighting for similar there
8: yeah i think so i think we'll uh, my prediction is that uh you know i hate to predict the future but i think we'll go well at
7: Silverstone. Well, we'll look forward to how you do oh my thank you very much uh s just coming in and getting a getting a hug for his work today another top six for s and he's
4: getting a what is that no, what, what where did you oh, a, hug Okay. definitely hug okay nobody, good good
7: good nobody tried gunther Steinering me live on the radio <laughs> uh yeah so uh he's, he's been pretty stealthy uh sort of picking up those results yeah every every few weeks hasn't he he's, he's had some pretty solid yeah. performances so um yeah another another good one from ocon i've just missed actually london or no, it's going the other way he's already changed i mean what a miserable oh, oh man yeah. anyone, yeah. he doesn't want to talk to anybody anyone wants to talk to me yeah another no, hey. talk
4: Hey, Chris, uh, we need to do a quick stop here, but uh, when we come back, we'll have more from Chris in the paddock in Montreal. You listen to Speed City, back up to this.
3: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As a
5: rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. The Caddy Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com.
2: Talk 1370.
3: The right choice.
1: Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right. Welcome
4: back. We got Chris in the paddock in Montreal, and he's uh, hunting people down. And Chris, just do the usual jump in if you got somebody. But Bob Varsha, any other takes as we move down the uh, the order here? I mean, what about Lance Stroll? We hadn't talked much about him. He had it. He finished in tenth in the points.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly we trashed him during my rundown of the starting grid because <laughs> he's never never qualified well in his home race. But he has come through and scored points on a number of occasions. He drove a steady race. Uh, he was a part of some long trains of cars, four or five cars in a line, uh, and but he managed to hold on get his tires changed and and come through in the points in front of the home crowd again. So well done to him.
5: Yeah. Another shout out. That's sort of not, not a headline, but one that's well worth noting. Valtteri Bottas and Guan Yu Zhao in uh, the top 10 scoring points. Uh, and for for Joe especially, um, out qualifying Botas, another good weekend. First Chinese driver, you know he's, he's quietly going about his business, but they're performing around for a moment. Yeah, really during well. the race, yeah, you, were,
4: you were talking about how much you like him now.
5: Yeah, I just like him. He's very emotional, uh, which is rare for uh, having lived in Asia. The Chinese aren't aren't well known for that kind of emotion, but he gets really he gets the yeah. team behind him. He's he's a good kid, you know. He gets down when he's when he's not. <laughs> winning like a Baku, you hear him on the radio really mad. And then today, you know, he's, you know, he was really, really heartfelt um, that that, that they got the result and the qualifying yesterday was brilliant.
2: Yeah. You can hear someone like Dale Earnhardt senior looking at his performance and saying, that kid's a racer.
5: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got
2: two point scoring finishes in his first nine races. So, you know, he's, he's getting with the program.
5: And Botas is no mean feat as a, as a, as a teammate. Oh boy. You got that right. Okay, so we talked
4: about Lando Norris having a bad day, but Daniel Ricciardo, I mean, he finished 11th. That's his second race in a row. Now he's finished ahead of his teammate. It was good timing because there was lots of rumors right before all that. Not that he drove necessarily a great race today. What do you think, Jonathan?
5: Uh, Who were you talking about? Daniel Ricciardo, you know, finishing Uh, ahead of Lando. Yeah, I just, I mean, I thought uh, Chris's interview with Ricciardo yesterday uh, summed up, or last weekend was summed up, that there is a turning point for Ricardo. It wasn't a good day for McLaren, full stop. But we need Ricardo to be at the top of his game. It's it's been a weird couple of years for him, and you know he is definitely hard on your sleeve kind of guy. I mentioned Joe. Well, Ricardo's always been that, and you know we need him to be at the top of his game. And if he if they can get there, and they've show, certainly showed signs of it, the McLaren isn't a bad package. Um, it's just seemingly up and down.
7: Something I, uh, I spoke to Zach Brown a bit ago, um, I said a bit ago this morning briefly, uh, and he was saying that, you know, they, they want Daniel to do well. And, um, you know, there was a bit of pressure put on him, obviously, but that they were happy with the way he responded to that. They liked what they were seeing for the, you know, the way he handles that kind of situation. So, um, whether or not, you know, they can turn around the actual car form is another matter, but yeah, as we said, we can't really judge him against Lando today, uh, with the way that Lando's race panned out, but it was, I think more that the car was poor rather than Daniel being poor today.
4: Yeah. Yeah, good point. That's true. Uh let's see what else. Um
5: just looking down. I, I want to pick up on uh, Chris uh, Bob just mentioned it just before you came on air looking ahead to the next three races, Austria, Great Britain, France. Um can you I mean, fart's definitely some speed tracks. Um is 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 it ominous for those chasing Red Bull or, you know, can there be opportunities for other teams including Mercedes at those three?
7: Yeah, I think Mercedes is the one I kind of, yeah, mentioned it to George there, but that's the one I think uh, Silverstone especially is going to be a, a real acid test of whether they've made gains with that car. And it's just the last couple of circuits haven't suited because Barcelona, you know, we were talking it up, it looked a lot more positive, didn't it? Much more positive than we'd had. Uh, and whether that then translates to Silverstone, which is similar kind of characteristics, a lot of high speed stuff, you know, some decent length straights, but a yeah, very quick circuit where you do need good downforce too, then... You know, potentially, um, we're going to see more races where they're kind of in that little fight at the front or close to it, at least. Uh, i i don't know if I'm quite sharing Otmar Zastenow's confidence. Uh, not that I think Alpine will be poor by any stretch, but I just feel like the top three might pull away. That's the sort of sort of circuit where you really do see the all-round performance of a car, and I think those top three might just edge away from the midfield at those the next couple. Certainly at Silverstone. I mean, Austria—different get the fish. Actually, we sometimes see some some strong performances from different cars there, and that one I think will suit Alpine. If if I had if I had to be a betting man, I'd go for that one, suiting Alpine, Uh, Mm. because of long straights. Just get the car turned, get on on the power. Um, That that's one where a bit like here, a bit like Baku, that that I think they could be strong.
5: And they're only four points behind McLaren and um, behind McLaren at the moment.
7: Yeah, I mean it's been a a good run for Alpine, and and yeah, obviously a bad day for McLaren today. And I am loitering outside McLaren right now, trying to see if Andreas seedles around for a Mm. quick chat, but. Doesn't seem to be. Um, but yeah, uh, it's almost not a surprise, is it? Uh team bosses hide away when they've had a bad day and come on out to talk when they've had a good one. But uh yeah, it's just McLaren is still up and down. I think I'm always sort of sorry say it, scarred by that first race, that very first race that they were um just so off the pace in Bahrain. Mm-hmm. That that's a warning sign, isn't it? That they are um, you know, they've got the potential to have the weekend like they've had this weekend, where they're just not quite there. So yeah, still, still some learning to do, some improving to do to make, I'd say, give confidence to any of these teams that are going to be quick everywhere. But as you guys said, someone like Alfa Romeo seemed to basically always just be there or thereabouts. Um, unlike, you know, like a Haas who can qualify well and then slip back or have the odd off weekend, pretty much always get at least one Alfa Romeo right in that mix, which has been uh, an impressive turnaround from them. Mm.
4: We you know, were talk- go speaking
6: ahead. Speaking of, you know, just fast, Carlos Sainz S- 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 had the fastest slap, but I kept seeing him just. You know nibble away at max and so i was kind of surprised that he kept the fastest lap even though he was right there nipping on max's heels for the past 10 laps i really figured that would have gone to max
4: Hmm. yeah and he seemed like he nibbled away but but he never he never really had did enough to get there obviously to even get close to to go for a a pass but
2: i think that's called controlling the race from the front yeah. yeah you know i i don't think max showed us everything he had and he had enough maturity not to, uh, you know, to risk it by going for that, for that uh, extra point. In contrast to a guy like Sebastian Vettel, back in his, his days with Red Bull, time and again in a race where he was dominating, took the lead, led every lap. And at the end, you'd hear Christian Horner coming on the radio saying, uh, we think there's a problem with your tires. You got to slow down. You got to slow down. He was actually trying to prevent Vettel from risking his race in the car. By going for the clean sweep with that fast lap, and it's um, you know it's something we're not seeing with Max Verstappen. I think he's a more mature driver at this stage. Mm-hmm.
6: Hey, so uh, speaking of fast laps, the fastest lap was Carlos Sainz with a with a, an average speed of 207.258, right behind him, Max with a 207.012, so a tenth of a second and some change. Third, who we've been talking about, Charles Leclerc, was right there ahead of Hamilton. So uh, the Ferraris were definitely the first pair all the way up. I keep looking for Checo's uh,
4: Checo's failure there, and nothing so far. Uh, I was just checking to see who driver of the day was. Any guesses here, gentlemen?
7: Got to be Verstappen, isn't it? Nope. Okay. Lonzo, I bet. It, <laughs> nope. Okay. It, it. Did the Latifi hype train come through?
9: <laughs> no, it lost it's got to be a really on long train. It lost its caboose. It a really long train. Too. Be
7: careful with there your a, there was, Hamilton. There was a social media campaign to make Latifi the driver of the day here uh, that was running for a few days. I saw, <laughs> and I will admit, I was really hoping it wouldn't happen. So. <laughs> Good uh, it was employer, it by the way. <laughs>
5: On a serious note, uh, Chris, a lot of rumors, and you can either verify or say it's rubbish, that um Piastri could replace Latifi as soon as the British Grand Prix. Um, is that uh a step too far?
7: I think that's a step too far from what I've heard today. Um I think there was you know interest in it, talks in it. It seems to be partly about what uh what Piastri wants to do. Um don't forget that he uh you know has got to think of his own career too, he's got his own management. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's different aspects to think about, uh, and would it actually be good for Piastri to go into what's a difficult car at Williams, rather than continue the testing program on is on the Alpine and get into the Alpine? Because obviously, Williams, if they're going to get rid of Latifi early, which would you know be a bit of a slap in the face to uh, not only Nicholas but uh, his father and the, and the money that went into look after that team, keep it going not that long ago. That's good point. Um, so I, I think to, to make that step, you'd be wanting something a bit more concrete, a bit more long term, and just to give. Piastri half a season of experience and then lose him to Alpine wouldn't make sense. So Williams will be saying, right, he's staying here with us for a few years. Um, I might, I might try a, a very risky as we walk and talk Zach Brown, who will (laughs) hopefully briefly give us a summary of the race from your point of view he's got to run. Uh, so he's not going to us a summary of his race. Um, I think so that pretty much was a, a summary run. of his race, actually. <laughs> well done, Chris. <Yeah>, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it was the look on his face at first. I was like, yeah, come over and have a chat. And then as soon as I got there, he was like, no, nope, don't even try it. So um, <laughs> yeah, not a happy and, uh Well, I mean, unsurprisingly though when you've had a day like they've had so mm-hmm. no wonder Andrea Seidel's hiding away from us as well Gwennie Joe's nearby Actually, let's see if we can speak to him because yeah. he's had a good day but he's, uh, he's just doing a bit of television but yeah I'm, I'm with you Johnny I'm a fan of what what Joe has done yeah. Um, well, especially very, as he was written impressive. off
5: before he started just because he brought money. And, yeah. you know, and, and if you, I mean, I happen to know him because I, I, I spent some time in, in Toyota with him. So, and he's a really nice guy, you know, and he, he's, we all we all fall foul when a new name arrives. If you don't know anything about him, you kind of, it's it's hard to make a an understanding of, you know, what kind of a person he is.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, uh, um, at, at this moment, we are going to take a pause. And when we come back, we're going to try to get Chris more loitering time in the paddock in Montreal and see who else can get. Listen to Speed City back after these messages. Hey, guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, All Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer. And I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it when I tasted it. I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely... No, uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But, Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe?
5: Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, I tell you, this all beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those because you're definitely a snob. Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay, uh, <laughs> because there's no question. Carbonation has always been my issue here in the states. It's overcarbonated, and our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated, and that's. A key thing and that's the first thing that uh hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's uh it's it's beautiful. Got a great tie-in because obviously Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer and it's cracking.
4: Yeah. And the uh the facility out there, it's amazing. They've they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local H-E-Bs and
5: everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in, uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer. But uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's altstatbeer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T,
4: beer.com. altstatbeer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com.
1: And this is jay leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com, garage.com and you're listening to speed city welcome back to the fastest hour in radio
4: speed city all right chris medland uh in the paddock at montreal is still hunting a, an interview for us anything in the, on your radar chris
7: uh, I, I managed to let granny joe slip through my fingers uh, so annoyingly, he, uh, he was doing a very long interview with uh, UK TV. So a lot of people are paying attention to him right now. Um, but no, sadly he got away from me right there. So, um, I'll see if we can grab anyone else's it's a bit of a strange one. The paddock kind of thins out very quickly. Um, and I imagine that, uh, that's partly because a lot of people are trying to get out this evening to get back to Europe overnight. So there's a lot of guests around, not so many team members right now, but, uh, will still be a few, we've still got what half an hour on air. Um, there's, I'll always grab someone. All right, well,
4: up. Jonathan, you had something in the show doc about the Schumacher contract.
5: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, obviously, today was a bit of an anomaly because he obviously didn't finish. But, you know, where, where is Schumacher going in your mind? He's a Ferrari asset. Um, Gunter has been, you know, kind of quite talky about the fact that, you know, he's damaged a few cars. But I think he's bounced back in the last couple of weeks. But what, where are we looking for Mick to be? Are you asking Chris that? Yeah, sorry. Oh. That was Chris, Christopher Chris, If he if he can hear me.
7: Sorry, Miles, away. I had my headphones off while I was trying to see uh, what I thought had to grab an interview with.
5: Come back to me with that. What was that? Just about the Mick Schumacher sort of question mark as to contracts and where he might be and what Ferrari want for him, because obviously there's no seat for him at Ferrari at the moment. Um, but do you see him being somebody who will be looking for a more competitive ride next year or will Haas keep him?
7: I think you'd be looking for a more competitive ride in the sense that every driver wants to be in the most competitive car they can be. But I don't think he's done enough yet to convince mm. either Ferrari or Haas to move him around. <laughs> uh, it's whether Ferrari are going to stick with him and go, well, he could, could come good. I think, yeah, he's got the rest of the season to prove that point, essentially, uh, and say to Ferrari, look, um, I'm, I'm good enough. You should leave me more development time in, in at least a Haas, if not you know another team. I think part of the problem comes down to other options. You know, for Ferrari-powered teams, there aren't many, are there? It's just after no. Mayo who are pretty well set, um, With I'd say, with what they've got. Uh, and if they don't stick with what they've got, then I think it's terrible share that would go in there uh, if he's ready coming up from F2, because that's a sort of protégé of uh, Fred Vasseur. So I, I think most likely stay put. Uh, there's been a few whispers about an Aston Martin move, but I genuinely think that's just maybe trying to test the waters and see if anyone's interested. And he just doesn't have the results to go with it right now, which is... Um, you know, what you really do need if you're going to try and convince another team uh, to take you on.
2: How about this idea? Ferrari's going to have a prototype sports car program as they ah. plot their return to Le Mans. They're going to need drivers for that.
7: As daddy did. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's a good fit. That's. Yeah, you know, I mean, he'd started. love to drive a Ferrari still, wouldn't he?
5: Hmm. Yeah. Sure. And
7: he Absolutely. would be a good
5: asset for that. That's how Michael got his start, as we all remember. Sure.
2: I think the three guys that I think are in, you know, in some level of trouble for next year are Latifi, Ricardo, and Schumacher. So, um, you know, speculate all you want about where they could go. And, um, you know, sports cars are not a bad place to land if the shine has come off your apple in Formula One, as it were.
4: Yeah, especially if it's a shiny red factory-backed factory sports car. So, no doubt. Hey, uh, Jonathan, I remember how you and I were talking? I was complaining about... DRS, in the middle of this race, because I was mm. sitting there watching these iconic moments, right, uh-huh. when Hamilton passes Alonso, and it was virtually a non-event. It's just yeah. DRS. DRS. And then the same thing happened again
5: when um, when Verstappen passed Hamilton. You know, it was, yeah. you know, they were... You know, Incon- was- inconsequential exactly. moments in a race where when you put two champions up together like that, you're expecting a joust.
6: Yeah. But then you had the last 10.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I. But- yeah. I, I, I tell you what, the bigger question for me is, are the new rules that we've got with the bigger, yeah. the bigger tires, are we going to get to a point where we can do away with DRS finally? Mm. What do you think, Bob Varsha?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um, it's certainly livened things up a little bit in this new era of Formula One in terms of aerodynamics and, and tires and what have you. I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um We'll see what happens with the new engine regulations in 2026, and you know who answers the bell. Um, no, I don't. I don't see it, it going away anytime. I don't know. That's even been speculated, has it? I mean, no, no, it's no personally really. coming off.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's just a. It just caught me today. I just, I don't know because it was those drivers, right? Those champions, and you get fired up to watch the battle, and there's no battle. Right, it's just zero battle at all. You know. Yeah yeah
2: well no. just because there's no position change doesn't mean there's not a battle i mean this it's uh you know you have to earn your overtakes uh drs takes a little out of that but i mean you know look when they went green after the safety car and there were two laps before the drs came into effect you know and everybody was nose to tail the, the cars are just so close right now without drs you'd see even less passing so if passing is what you want this is what it's going to take
6: Okay, so a different take. I heard somebody, there was another graphic showing a, uh, the comparison of size of the F1 cars from now to <laughs> like, what, 15 years ago. And it was notable. quite notable. And mm-hmm. the argument was, well, yeah, now you're driving an electric, you know, Buick Electra 225 instead of a sports car on the tracks that were so notable back then. You can't have two of those cars pass, but you could have two little minis pass each other so you know maybe that's a take that we need to you know that that's a consideration of going back to a smaller f1 automobile footprint or platform there's no reason all the technology couldn't be you know be in there i mean look look at the size of a prius or so many others Yeah,
2: well, that's a good point and that's something formula e which i'm acquainted with um is doing with their new generation three cars coming up next year the cars are going to be way more powerful and a good bit smaller dimensionally than what they've been in the past, and I don't see any reason why Formula One can't do the same. You know, once they get these new uh, regulations under control, you know, start start shaving back the size of the cars to accomplish what Les has just described.
6: Yeah. I want to I want to see a uh, profile like of the uh, early 70s, late 70s, kind of the 70s era. Big fat tires, throw some wings on there. Let's make some <laughs> Those noise. giant <laughs> out-of-proportion proportion rear
2: tires. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I saw something on Twitter, guys, that actually one of you um, retweeted. Uh, somebody suggesting that having a Red Bull, of Ferrari, and a Mercedes on the podium uh, is, quote-unquote, needed by F1. That makes F1, quote-unquote, the winner's yada 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 basically they're implying that this was a related finish to get the three big teams which is you know just bizarre to me but there it is
6: yeah i think Checo and leclerc argue against that point
5: (laughs) (laughs) i thought leclerc did a good job by the way
4: uh you know yeah you and you and most of the everybody else since he's driver of the day Oh, that's who it was, uh, by the okay. way. I don't know if you ever heard that,
5: but that's who it was. Sorry, right. yeah. Okay, no. good. Nicely played. Uh, nice yeah. segue, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hey, was a good drive. Very good drive. I mean, yeah. when you compare it to, so let's say, Vettel, um, you know, who was coming from the same same point, as it were, um, Leclerc made the best of it, for sure.
4: Hey, Bob, what about buddies um, Sebastian Vettel and Mick Schumacher? Uh, big Brother Vettel was kind of sticking up for Mick, uh, telling Steiner to stop messing with him. Is that what I heard?
2: Yeah. In fact, we heard the story over the weekend that that Gunther Steiner was willing to, to uh, throw young Schumacher under the bus in Schumacher's presence with the press, which sounds really um, unfortunate. But yeah, Vettel uh, said in a press conference earlier in the weekend, he said, look, it's not helping him. Let him up. You know, let him let him up a bit, you know, don't, don't go to the press or don't say publicly how bad it is for him. And when he does well, promote that, but just, you know, give the guy some breathing space, quit piling on the pressure from within within his own team. I mean, that's, in many ways, I think that needs to be the driver's sanctuary. He can always go to his team. Mm. The media can say what they want. Other teams can say what they want, but you got to be able to go to your mechanics and your management and say, look, you know, this this is my home. This is uh, you know where I do my job. If I don't do a good job, I'll move on, and I'll understand. But I need the support.
5: Yeah, I every driver needs that. Yeah, and everybody was saying after Baku, he was almost driving overly conservative, so as to keep the car in yeah. one piece, and 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 that is not a good place for any racing driver to be in.
4: I wonder if Günther, right? Was you know Günther's had so much popularity because of his say what's on his mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a little, maybe he's getting caught up in that a little bit. I don't know. Um, talking about Schumacher.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Hey, Les, you heard, uh, yeah. you've got the well, story said on that.
2: Schumacher's used up their entire crash budget.
4: Huh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Les, you said you got a story from, um, on the gearbox or the, or the uh, issue with, <laughs> I just said the story. That's with, it. With uh, yeah, Sergio right. Perez. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're right.
6: You're it's right. Good. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're saying, uh, Christian Horner was quoted as, he lost drive. Gearbox issue, but we need the car back. Uh, Horner so- <laughs> Horner told Sky Sports the exact reason well, they're yet to determine. Disappointing for Checo. He could have been out there today. So, been quick out there today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And I think Gearbox, we all saw that playing line, out. Yeah. Uh, hard charging in, Gearbox let go. And
4: okay, okay night, let's no check drive. on Chris. I hear he's either gone to a party or he's still in the
7: paddock. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's quite funny. Quite funny that you mentioned uh, Christian Horner. I'm actually lingering for him to finish his print media session, where I imagine he's explaining something similar to get <laughs> that from the horse's mouth and get his views on today's race. So uh, it's quite funny seeing there's a lot of team bosses running around in, in civvies already because they're ready to to head out. So uh, Zach Brown said he wasn't feeling great. Uh, he dropped me a message huh. while uh, to say sorry for being rude, but I'm not feeling great. So I imagine we might have heard a croaky voice, or I mean, I think that's just convenient, isn't it, after a day like today? But <laughs> oh, I'll, it's nice I'll that he was polite enough to that. do that. Uh, yeah, at least you got exactly, back to you. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that allows me to fill the time that would have been the interview with him. Uh, so <laughs> we'll uh, say saying what that was what that was for. But I'm going to just scoot away from Christian Horner because he's still chatting away um, and see if Total Wolf is around because he's been doing lots of media um, and is very much he's all chilled out, ready in his jeans and his t-shirt, ready to hit the road. I think. <laughs> um, so whether or not he will, uh, speak, I don't know. But um, so Christian, he's, he's actually, actually- to some fans right now. So where do they go tonight? I mean, these
6: guys are already suited up ready in civvies. Do you think they're flying back across the pond or are they gonna probably go to New yeah, York City nah. or what are they doing?
7: Yeah, <laughs> on, no, New that's York straight City. straight back across the pond uh, across the pond. They'll be straight back to they'll be in the factory tomorrow morning in the UK. It'll be a wow. charter flight, I imagine, that they'll have sorted. Um, and there'll be, you know, it's, it's one of my bug bends, bug bears with F1 because, uh, a number of teams will do this and then you get a red flag or something and everything gets canceled because they have a flight that they've scheduled. Uh, but it's to get back and get on with working. I mean, it's such a tense, um, sort of full on season with so many races crammed in every minute counts. So they try and get themselves uh, back to the factory when they can obviously back to their families when they can. And, um, it's either get up as soon as you can tonight, or, I mean, what time are we on now? Quarter to five local time um you know if they don't get out this in the next few hours then they're waiting at least another day but like you know from my perspective my first flight available was then tomorrow evening overnight and you don't get home till tuesday mm. so um that's mm. just not going to cut it if you're the ceo of a formula one team you've got to get back and do your job yeah yeah you know i was uh, hosting and from somebody,
2: what we've been hearing about travel in, uh in and out of canada thus far this week yeah uh, you need to get started as soon as you can because the delays are monstrous
7: yeah, there was a lot of issues. at a bit, Maybe actually, Toto's just it's run out of clean clothes. Maybe that's why he's wearing If a lot, a lot of people have had that. Uh, one of the guys I was sat next to the media centre had the same thing. He had to borrow a white t-shirt from someone to kind of um, be ready. But um, yeah, there's uh, oh, I said be ready, be kind of clean for a day or two. But yeah, his bag hasn't shown up either, so he's hoping he picks it up on his way home. Uh, it, yeah, it was a big problem for a lot of people that showed up on Wednesday, really, with bad weather and um, some issues at the airport, but. It's kind of the way of the world at the moment, which is again another reason why I think, uh, as Bob says, people want to get moving as early as they can.
4: All right, gentlemen, let's take a pause here, and uh, Chris, we'll come back to you in the paddock in Montreal after this. You're listening to Speed City. Back after these messages.
5: If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters vrd vrd racing of atlanta georgia are dedicated to nurturing young single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the f4 us championship they also have programs in fr americas the all-new usf juniors and the road to indy vrd is the perfect environment for success to join the team drop them a dm on instagram at velocity underscore rd talk
2: 1370, the right choice
3: Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back
7: to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, straight after you, Chris Middleton. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've got Christian Horner, who was politely waiting. Very kind of him. Christian, another win in the books. Uh, he's just celebrating a bit with the team, actually. They, they'll go and do, or they may have done, a team celebration photo. Um, one good, one bad. Let's start with a good. How good was Max today under pressure?
9: Uh, he was supreme under pressure today. I, I think, actually, all weekend, he's been absolutely on it every session through qualifying through the tricky conditions and then that was a difficult race you know today the ferrari was very quick the vscs didn't play out you know ideally for us but i think we adapted and we adapted our strategy to suit and you know max was under huge pressure uh you know from the end of that last vsc but uh you know congrats to carlos today i mean he put up a big fight but uh max had just enough to to hold him off
7: now you you put me in my place on the grid and said every race is hard this won't be easy we won't scamper off into the distance did you expect ferrari to be as strong as they were in the race
9: yeah yeah i mean you can see the way they're attacking the 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 curbs they're very strong on the curbs and the problem was max just couldn't break that drs you know it's so powerful that he could he could get up to half a second away in the first sector but then you know sector two sector three it was just dragging you know carlos with him so uh so that then put more pressure on him like in miami uh and in Jeddah, and other races you know, we've seen this year to absolutely you know be pinpoint accurate with every breaking point every exit and and he nailed it today
7: i was gonna say he never looked like he's going to put a wheel wrong either i mean how much faith do you have in max in those positions as, as one of those drivers who just doesn't crack under pressure
9: i think there's no better guy in the pit lane to to deal with that kind of pressure and i think uh you know, as his experience has grown, he's he's learned to you know he's he just handles that pressure so well, um and uh, yeah, you know, all, all credit to him.
7: And then with Checo, is it a gearbox issue? It looks like
9: suspected gearbox, I and mean, we need to get the car back first to understand. But let's uh, you know let let's see. We need to understand that because obviously disappointing not to. I think he could he would have had a competitive race today, and frustrating not to have scored with him.
7: did did that play a part in the way you managed max's race after that did you have to tend to be careful at all or anything
9: not really um it's always a concern when there's something that's happened that's unexplained so uh because obviously the cars are identical but um uh you know we need to need to understand exactly what's happened there
7: and just find out here there's a very fun team principals meeting yesterday morning that included quite an irate toto wolf at times talking about (laughs) the fya technical directive and the way the the floor stays were introduced and not i mean where do you see this uh, situation right now? Do you feel the FIA maybe leaning too much towards Mercedes and should leave it up to the teams?
9: I think he was maybe auditioning for Lewis's new movie, but um, <laughs> look, uh, let, let's see. It's a, a, an issue for the FIA, and yeah, um, yeah, it needs to be discussed in the right forum. You know, perhaps without the, without television cameras
7: or radio microphones. But just finally, do you see that being resolved before Silverstone, or, or you know, is there a date
9: for a meeting to sort that? It needs to be resolved. You know, soon as really. Yeah, Because Mercedes looks fine today, competitive, no competitive, no bouncing. Drivers looked happy when I got out of the cars. But you know, <laughs> these two races were always going to be the worst on the calendar, so uh, it needs uh, yeah, it, it needs to be discussed with the right experts in the right forum. And
7: home race next, looking forward to
9: that. Yeah, look, I mean, great to be heading back to Silverstone. And uh, uh, you know, it was we went there last year, you know, leading both championships and came away with nothing. So, um, you know, we've put a great run together, uh, heading to. Silverstone in the leader, both championships. Um, you know, we'll be looking for redemption.
7: Well, good luck, Christian. Thank you very much for your time. And oh, perfectly time because Max Verstappen just walked in and got a big hug from <laughs> his team boss. So, there's Christian's <laughs> thoughts on today's race. Love it, <laughs> excellent.
4: Fantastic.
7: Uh, so Chris, do you have a part in uh, Lewis's movie? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, I, I, to be fair, actually, Lewis should be coming back soon because Max coming in means they've just finished with the uh, press conference for the whole of the top three. They they go and do TV interviews and they go and do a print press conference. So, you know, how long are we after the race now? Only an hour? And they're still doing their uh, their planned duties. So that's the first time really Max has properly got back to his team to celebrate. And I imagine Lewis is, I think he's actually just gone into the um, Mercedes hospitality. So, um, yeah, that movie's getting a few people excited, actually. I mean, why not? There's been uh, there's some fun stuff out there. And I love the Top Gun link.
5: T- t- tell us about it, because I'm sure a lot of the people aren't, yeah. aren't au fait on this.
7: So it's the um, director of Top Gun um, who has kind of come up with the idea to do almost a similar idea with a Formula One movie. Uh, Brad Pitt is going to star in it as the lead driver who is uh, basically an old boy coming out of retirement uh, alongside a rookie uh, to basically try and win another championship, I believe. And it's it's a little bit like if anyone's seen top gun maverick the new top gun film it's kind of it sounds like a similar storyline to that and if anyone who has seen that um i imagine would attest it doesn't have to be always realistic um it can be cheesy it can be corny and still be highly entertaining and fun but have some amazing kind of effects and graphics and reality sections and i think that's what they want to do with a formula one car and kind of show people just how amazing f1 is as a sport kind of how these guys are fighter pilots uh behind the wheel uh but then adds that almost that cheesy aspect of it so uh, lewis is an executive producer listed on it uh he's going to be helping out uh, in terms of the production side which he has done before uh he he's listed on a couple he's got credits on a couple of films actually uh, Some are sports documentaries but more than you'd have actually thought and he's worked on the cars movies and things like that so uh not completely unknown territory for him whether he stars in it is tbc so i think that's the next question that people want to know uh but so far all he's done is confirmed that he's involved and um, that they're excited about the project but i believe it was apple uh, who have picked up the rights. So uh, that should be coming in the next, I guess, what, couple of years? Well, watching yeah, him get yeah. out of that car at Baku, I mean, that was a great audition.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet he makes a
2: cameo. And I hope the movie is more like Top Gun and less like Driven.
4: Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Absolutely. We just, I think a I
6: lot of people to, hope that. I just True. want to know who's going to play Ricky Barbie. <laughs> Wrong
4: call. <laughs> Hey, guys, it's I, I got to read this social media comment because it's fantastic. It says, uh, wow, I just found you guys coverage, your F1 coverage today with you guys, Bob and Chris at the race. This is top notch. Thank you. Who's that? Uh, Mom. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
7: but uh, yeah, weird. I mean, it's like uh, I, I thank you for well, everybody. Christian Horner asked me a similar question. He said, uh, how many people are listening to you nowadays? And I was like, me? like four it was like my <laughs> and, dad. and he went he went the cat and i went actually i got a dog he said oh, i'm a dog person so that's when you came to us that's fine um, so.
5: I, I did hear you say that actually
7: so uh no i believe it's, well, it sounds like i'll have to tell him five now so thank you very much for that comment on social did media see, yeah. but no, that was great to have uh new listeners along all the time yeah. i love
4: it that christian gives you so much time it sounds like you guys have a great relationship <laughs>
7: Have he's pretty good he at did. talking to the press to be fair to him um i mean i know people that watch the sky sports coverage do say he's on it a lot uh but he does give him give up a lot of time for the media which uh is appreciated there's Uh, some that I was lingering around with Tia Bellotto while on a break. uh, And he basically was unwilling to wait for a TV interview that had been lined up for him because Tosa Wolf was finishing that slot. So he left. He just walked away and uh, the PR had to apologize. So um, again, like we said tonight, some people are trying to head out uh, as quickly as they can to catch a flight. So they don't have time to wait around for us. We've got to be ready to go.
4: Hmm. Exactly right. Les, you had something?
7: Hey, absolutely. I
6: know we're getting close to the dinner bell, but uh, hey, just got to remind everybody, Circuit of the Americas. Cars and coffee is back. So, you know where I'm going to be next Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Yeah. Y'all come look for somebody wearing Speed City stuff. I might trade with you or something.
4: Uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, any final thoughts, Mr. Varsha after, t- Varsha, after today's Canadian Grand
2: Prix? Well, the plot thickens. You know, as we said, good days for some, bad days for others. But uh, we're not even close to halfway yet. And we've got great races coming up on consecutive weekends beginning two weeks from now with Silverstone. And then Spielberg, Austria, and then the Paul Ricard Circuit in France. So good days, busy days coming up. Yep. Jonathan Silverstone, you're
4: home sort of
5: home race. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and and if you think about it, uh, it's pretty much everybody's home race given that oh, yeah. all those teams are right there including Aston Martin right at the doorstep. Uh obviously Christian Horner, Milton Keynes. I mean, you know, uh it really is a homecoming for all of Formula 1 including Ferrari uh, and Haas um uh, to a certain extent because <coughs> Bambury just down the road. Yep. Um, all the rest of it. Um and and always a great atmosphere. It's a it's a real festival uh, and well worth a tune in with the fast old airfield that it is um it could be another dominant display by red bull but i think we've got some inklings here and i'm interested to hear what allison says in wheel to wheel
4: ah that's right thank you sir wheel to wheel coming up wednesdays at uh 7 p.m eastern time and of course next sunday night our speed city show local show in austin so you can always find that on the internet and on uh, youtube and all that and uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, however you tuned in. Thank you, Chris Medlin. Fantastic job today, buddy. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Right. Forget, I forgot about that. Happy Father's Day to everybody. We'll Happy talk Father's
5: to you. Day, Dad. See ya.